Are you a high-performing real estate investor who's looking to further elevate your performance? If so, download our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits by joining our insider network at elevatepod.com. This guide created by yours truly has the power to put your transformation on autopilot and exponentially change your trajectory. Go get your free copy now at elevatepod.com. Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting down with the great Michael Bungay Stanier today. And I'm a huge fan of Michael's work. I'm a huge fan of what he's all about and how he is challenging and inspiring billions of people across this globe to be infected with the possibility virus. And ultimately today, you're going to learn about how to stay curious longer, how to fight the advice trap, because ultimately we think that we're helping other people by giving them advice, but perhaps we need to pump the brakes and we need to check in and understand that maybe staying curious longer can help us transform our relationships with other people because ultimately relationships are how we're going to take that next leap forward as real estate investors, as entrepreneurs. That's the centerpiece of our life. That's the centerpiece of our success is by optimizing other relationships, by not living in a transactional world, but by living in a transformational world with other people. Today is so valuable. We're also going to talk about doing something that matters. We're going to talk about pursuing your dreams. We're going to talk about getting clear on what your dreams are. We're going to talk about really how to understand what is the overall vision for my life? What's the overall purpose? Because I know that, you know, I've had discussions recently with some people and you know what, we can be encouraged and inspired and motivated to take action for a certain period of time. If there's perhaps a monetary uh, reward on the back end, or if there's other material things that we're going after. But ultimately, at the end of the day, if we want to be successful in a massive way, it's about having clear purpose and vision for where we're going. And so today, I think you're going to get much clearer on what your purpose, what your vision is for your life at a high, high level. And how does that relate into every decision that you make? I know it's a big uh, statement and it's true. Today, you're going to learn so much. I'm so excited. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I'm a professional real estate investor and high performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. By the way, Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal development for high-performing real estate investors. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar. Before we dive into this episode today, if you are here for the first time, welcome. So excited to have you as a part of Elevate Nation. This is a community of other people who are saying, look, anything is possible. We can do anything. And really, it comes through community. It comes through belief. It comes through commitment to excellence. It comes through consistency, but it also comes through curiosity, it comes through learning, it comes through mind expansion. And so I just want to welcome you if it's your first time here. If you've listened before, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. By the way, either way, your fee, the fee for listening today is just to pay it forward. It's just to share this with one friend, share this with someone that you know, someone that you just met, maybe someone that you don't even know yet and share with them what is it that you love about Elevate Podcast or what is it that you've learned? Uh, from this podcast, from our amazing guests on this show. Thank you so much for being here. Also, uh, it very much helps us if you can give us a rating, a review, and follow Elevate Podcast wherever it is that you listen or watch podcasts, because we are going to continue to bring massive value. Today is no different. I'm so excited about this conversation. I want to dive in. I want to introduce you to Michael Bungay Stanier, who is the author of six books, which between them have sold more than 1 million copies. And by the way, I think he's blowing way past that number at this point. He's best known for The Coaching Habit, the best-selling coaching book of the century, and also and already recognized as a classic. I can vouch for that specifically. It's a phenomenal book. And uh, also his new book, How to Begin, helps people be more ambitious for themselves and for the world. 
Michael was a Rhodes Scholar and plays a ukulele badly. He's an Australian and he lives in Toronto, Canada. And that's got to be, by the way, the most phenomenally nicest combination of individual. If you're from Australia and you live in Canada, it's the two nicest places on the planet. So shout out to everybody who listens from Australia and Canada. We love you. We appreciate you. And you can learn more about Michael at mbs.works. Without further ado, please enjoy this outstanding conversation with Michael Bungay Stanier. Michael Bungay Stanier. My friend, how are you? I'm great. I am flattered to be here. Thank you. I'm like, you've got my little books up in your bookshelf back there. And I'm so flattered by that. Thank you. Well, I'm, you know what? I'm a big fan. As I was telling you before the, uh, before the show, I admire your work. I admire the, you know, the process that we were just talking about before we started recording about how, you know, challenging it can be to put out simple profundity, right? <laughs> to, to share simplicity yeah. and sophistication through that simplicity. We were talking about your books and how I was putting both of your books on my bookshelf uh, before the, the episode today. And I noticed all of the ink that was on the exterior of the books. And right. it was because of all the notes and the, the underlining and so forth. So yeah. thank I'll you for that. that. That's a high compliment. So thank you. Well, it's an, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to be with you. And um, Michael, for people who don't know you, I'd be curious if you were to describe yourself in the way that people who know you best would describe mm. you, people who know you most, <laughs> what would they say about you? Uh, you know, pro- pro- rude things mostly. Um, <laughs> Uh, that, you know, it's, it's interesting because you sent me that question in the kind of prep, prep material for the podcast. And I was like, that's a really good question. How would my people who know me best, my friends describe me? Well, um, they wouldn't, they wouldn't really worry too much about the kind of what I've actually done, you know, kind of the resume stuff because they mostly don't care that much, <laughs> which is great. Um, I think they would describe me as smart sometimes a smart ass, um, funny occasionally, <laughs> not funny occasionally, um, uh, generous, um, and, and curious. I think those are some of the words that I hope they'd say. Well, those are all beautiful, uh, ways to, you know, think about what we could all strive to become as well, because I think being smart, funny, and generous and curious, I mean, are, are attributes that are, absolutely yeah. essential this towards probably wishful thinking you should probably go and actually ask my friends what they'd actually say about me and you'd probably get a completely different list but that's <laughs> what i aspire to tell us a little bit about your upbringing backstory and where oh. you came from i think it's really unique some of the things that i i do know about you from a high level but for those who don't tell us a little bit about where you came from what life was like yeah. growing up yeah so i'm australian by birth i grew up in canberra canberra is the little known national capital in between sydney and melbourne in australia had a super happy childhood growing up, loving parents. I'm the eldest of uh, three brothers. Went to uh, high school there, went to university there, the Australian National University, ANU. Um, and then uh, at ANU, I did a, a bachelor's degree in literature and also a law degree, which in Australia is an undergraduate degree. So I did a combined degree, which is common in Australia. Um, so uh, I was five, five years, six years doing my undergraduate stuff in, in Australia. And I was saved from becoming a lawyer because, you know, when you do a law degree, you've got that path opening up in front of you. But I was saved from becoming a lawyer because I won a Rhodes Scholarship that took me off to England to study. And the best thing that happened in Oxford, as well as not becoming a lawyer, was meeting my wife. I met her in the first three or four weeks there, and we were living together after six weeks. Um, and we were just about to notch up. 30 years together as a, as a couple. Congratulations. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, (laughs) the surprising thing about being married for 30 years is you're like, God, how old am I? (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a, there's that saying inside every old person is a young person going, what the hell just happened here? Well, I'm starting (laughs) to feel like that. I'm like, how did I, what is What is all this white hair in my beard? What the, anyway, um, I lived in Oxford for a while. I did a master's degree in literature there. She was doing a PhD in literature. She, she PhDs take longer than master's degree. So I ended up getting a job in England. Um, honestly, even though I've been at university eight years now, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I stumbled onto a job at a, in, an innovation company, helping invent 
products and services for other companies. It was right at the start of the kind of mid-90s, I guess, when um, innovation was becoming a thing and becoming systematized and practiced and written about. So I spent five or six years working there. I didn't really invent anything of note. I did help invent, I did make a tiny contribution to stuffed crust pizza for Pizza Hut. And I helped invent a single malt whiskey for Diageo called Loch Do. And I looked this up recently because I talk about it in my new book. And it's literally rated possibly the worst single malt whiskey ever invented. <laughs> wow. It's, it's called, it, Loch Do means the black lake. And basically they colored it black and they made it sweet. And it is horrible. Um, so anyway, at a certain point I went, look, why am I inventing pizza? I just don't feel that that's a big contribution to the world. So I went into the world of change and change management, helping organizations grow and evolve. And that job took me from London, England to Boston, lived in Boston for about three years. And, and at a certain point went, look, I'm, I'm done with this as well. My wife and I went to our local pub. We each wrote down the name of three cities on a beer coaster after we'd had a few beers. Toronto made both the beer coasters. I'd never been there before, but I was like, sounds good enough to me. So we headed up to, to Boston, uh, to Toronto. I had a job lined up as a consultant, but my flight out of Toronto was on 9-11. So by the time I did get to Toronto, uh, some days later, <clears throat> the job I had lined up had, had disappeared. And so out of necessity, really, I started a company, um, which became a company called Boxer Crayons which is a, a training company, a learning and development company. It's about helping organizations move from advice-driven to curiosity-led. So I've written a number of books, five or six or something now. Um, the, best, the two best known are the ones you've got on your bookshelf there, The Coaching Habit, which has now sold north of a million copies and become a big, a big book in coaching and curiosity, and The Advice Trap, which is a, the kind of the follow-on book from there. And... Uh, I guess the other noticeable thing is like two years ago, I stepped away from being the CEO of Boxer Crayons. I still, my wife and I still own that company, but we figured out how to hand power over to another team to run that company, which is its own, its own adventure. What a beautiful That's, story and really you know, understanding. Stumbling around. You know, no. Somebody once said, look, inspiration is when your past suddenly makes sense. So there's a whole lot of looking back going, look, there's a lot of randomness there, but I've sort of managed to, to bounce around and get lucky and end up where I am now. I just think there's a lot of value in understanding various individuals' stories um, mm. because we can make sense of our own a little bit more yeah. when we understand that, you know, maybe at times it's like, how are we connecting these dots when we realize <laughs> that, you know what, there are a lot of things that we try and then we go in different directions, right. but it shows that there's so much more success that could be in our future, even if we have a period of time where it's not really making sense. You know what I mean? Well, here's the other thing to know about hearing somebody's stories. What I'm doing is I'm kind of, I'm, I'm pointing to the, the, the peaks, the mountain pot peaks. Sure. You know, I'm like here, then here, then did this and did that, then a job and a book and the like. There's, there's not a lot of story told around wandering around, trying stuff that didn't work, the assorted different iterations Box of Crayons went through before it found its mojo as a kind of L&D company. The, the stuff that I've created that hasn't worked and hasn't succeeded and I experimented with. So under the surface of my success story is kind of the litter of a whole bunch of stuff tried and failed, um, which is just a, you know, as you know, everybody listening to this is entrepreneurial in one way or another. And part of being an entrepreneur is just a whole bunch of experimentation where you figure out risk and reward. And when it, when it fails and just doesn't work the way you hoped it, well, the, 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 the risk is managed in a way that you're allowed to go, okay, well that, sucks <laughs> and that's disappointing but i'm still i'm still got enough to move on to whatever's next and it's just a great reminder for us wherever we are on our own journey right because we're always on a part of the journey right it never right. ends right wherever we are we can be encouraged to know that what comes next could be better you know if we continue to push and right. um, i'd love yeah. to know what at a part of the at a part of your journey when was it that you became enthralled with helping people realize their dreams or, or even just the pursuit of potential. Cause it seems like as I study your work and your expertise, that's almost the centerpiece of it. Maybe I'm misunderstanding, but tell me when was yeah. it that you became enthralled with that? 
you know, um, I have always had a degree of pushiness. <laughs> like I'm the oldest, I'm the oldest brother. So I was forever bossing my two brothers around. Um, and, you know, when I went to high school, I was captain of my soccer team and I was captain of my other kind of other parts of the kind of the school. So I was always one for kind of let me be the leader here. And if you're lucky, there's a way that being the leader moves from just being about you and being in the spotlight and look how, look how significant I am to thinking, you know, how do I be of service to, to other people? And, um, you know, it's a really interesting, it's a good question, uh, Tyler. I, I'd say there's a, there's a tipping point where as a teenager, I discovered that I was good at listening and being present to what was going on with my friends, you know, cause as teenagers were all full of angst about life and, and what's going on. And I would find myself, particularly in my kind of the later teenage years, sitting with my friends in a car at two o'clock in the morning and listening to them and not really knowing what I was doing, but just thinking, look, it's, it's good that they can talk and it's good that I can be present to it and listen to it. And not knowing what I was doing, like, but is it helping <laughs> or is it, is it, is this good or bad? I don't really know. I went and did, um, I became a trained crisis counselor on a telephone hotline, a kind of suicide youth hotline. And I think it was that initial piece of training and that initial kind of volunteer work that helped tip me more to the sign around how do I help people express, you know, find the best of themselves and, and be the best versions of themselves. And just also a combination of me going, look, for some reason, I've got a wiring towards that. I'm kind of restless about what's the, what's the best person who I can be um, together with me going, look, I'm actually, I like teaching and it feels teaching is one of the things that I'm, I'm good at and trying to, trying to um, translate ideas to make them feel practical and accessible to people. So, you know, you, the books that I've written, I mean, I'm not the first person to talk about, the power of curiosity. I often think that what I, what I produce is kind of old wine and new bottles, but I, I can produce a good bottle. <laughs> so I, I'm a, I, I can, I can put it in a way that feels new and fresh and accessible for some people. So I think it's just a kind of a, a melange of all of that stuff, Tyler, there wasn't really a key moment of it, but um, I, I kept making choices that kept taking me closer to that role of teacher and encourager of potential. It's really interesting. And then thinking back to that time, that period of time where you found fulfillment and listening and helping people. Right. And most people would think that, well, if you're finding value in, in being a teacher or a helper for other people, you're going to be giving a lot of advice. And I think yeah. it's interesting where you found sort of this, where this journey <laughs> led you to, to more listening, to more curiosity, to more yeah. questioning. And I know we'll talk a lot about that in this conversation. I want to table that for the latter part oh, of our sure. conversation, if you're okay with it. And yeah. I'd love to talk about your, your current work that we're, we're all anticipating now. Mm. The newest book coming out, How to Begin, Start Doing Something That Matters. And, and one thing as I was preparing for our conversation that I, that I read on, I think it was on your Amazon page uh, in, in preparation for sales here, is that you said, we unlock our greatness by working on hard things. Yeah. Achieving our most ambitious, daunting, worthy projects isn't through mastering new habits or hacks, but downloading a new operating system for your life. So could you talk yeah. a little bit about that and what do you mean by that? Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot there. So this, um, I, I, I tried to write my next book. It was actually books often grow out of seeds from the previous book. So in the advice trap, uh, which is my previous book, I wrote about the difference between easy change and hard change and kind of came up with this way of understanding that some change we do is additive. You're kind of tweaking what's already there. The metaphor I'd give you is it's a bit like downloading a new app onto your phone. Like it's helpful. You've got a little bit more content, a little more capacity, you've got a little more way of doing something and that can be the right thing. But there's a, there's another level of change, which is like, you know, the app's not going to do it. I need a new operating system. I need to kind of upgrade how I do that. And I was like, you know what? I, I didn't say everything I wanted to say in the advice trap. So I was going to write a book about that, but somehow 
it, that book just <laughs> wasn't ready to be written yet. And it turned into this new book, How to Begin. I want people to claim ambition for themselves and for the world because I want the world to be better and I want people to have the chance to unlock the best version of themselves, to move to that next ver best version of themselves. So at the heart of this new book um, is the idea of what does it mean to set a worthy goal? So a worthy goal has three aspects to it. It needs to be thrilling, it needs to be important, and it needs to be daunting. So thrilling is, it's about you. It's about what lights you up. It's about what gets you excited. It's about what makes you rub your hands and go, yeah, I'm up for that. That sounds great. I'm pretty excited about that. And, and making sure that you've got an element of thrilling in it is helpful because it counteracts a sense of obligation that we can sometimes feel with goals, which is like, you know what, you're this age or this person, you're this part of your career, you should be doing this by now. And we have, you know, we have various voices, some inside us, some outside us kind of going, this is what you should be doing. And the thrilling is just one way of kind of testing. Is this actually what I care about? Is this actually speak to who I am and who I want to be? So thrilling is one part of it. Important is the, the next part. And I was reading a book by um, an entrepreneur, a founder of a company called Acumen. It's like a nonprofit venture capitalist. And um, uh, his name has temporarily escaped me, but it will come back to me. Jacqueline Novogratz. She wrote a book called A Manifesto for a Moral Revolution. And she's got a great kind of TED talk based on this as well. And she asks, wouldn't it be great if we could give more to the world than we take? And that feels wonderful to me. Um, I do think that there's a type of culture where we, we kind of in self-help or kind of, kind of uber productivity, where it's just like you make your ambition just about you and your life. I want to be richer. I want to be bigger. I want to have more followers. You know, it's kind of that thing. And I'm like, if it's just that, it becomes self-serving. I want the world to be better, not just your life to be better. So how do you make something that is important, that serves the world, that serves the bigger picture in some way? So thrilling and important. And then the third element is daunting. And the daunting element is like, does this actually stretch you and grow you and challenge you and call you forth because you unlock your greatness by working on the hard things? So if thrilling is about, it kind of counteracts the kind of obligation, important counteracts the, the selfishness that sometimes goals can have. And daunting counteracts the comfort zone which is like, it's just, you know, it's just about being busy. I'm like, no, no, no. It's like, it's, I want you to step out to the edge of your comfort, your confidence and your sense of self and your, and your experience, because you know that that's where the interesting stuff happens. That's where you discover and meet the next version of who you are. And so the, the first part of the book is about how do you think about setting a goal that really challenges you and really calls you forth and goes through kind of ways of going through some iterations of that. The second part of the book is how do you figure out how to really commit to it? Because so often we don't think about what commitment means. And I think weighing up the commitment means you're like, yeah, I see the prizes and I see the punishments of doing it. And I see the prizes and punishments of not doing it. And now I can see that kind of bigger picture about what's at stake. I can decide whether to step forward or not. And then the third part of the book is what does it take to cross the threshold to actually start making progress towards the worthy goal that you've set yourself? It really resonates with me. And I know it resonates with our listeners because, you know, we look at real estate as an example, as a vehicle towards creating outcomes that we want in our life. And the only way to optimize this vehicle or any other business for any other entrepreneurs is to become that next version of yourself. And I think it comes through this clarity of how are we going to unlock our greatness, right? And it's right. through challenging things. It's through things that thrill us. It's through things that are important to us, but are also 
for other people or for right. other things that are bigger than ourselves. Because I don't know about you, but when I run up against challenges, it's like, okay, yeah, I want to challenge myself and I want to get better. And I, you know, that's who I am. But yeah. sometimes the path of least resistance kicks in and I say, well, oh, totally. you know, if it's all about me, then, <laughs> you know, it doesn't really inspire me yeah. to just make more money or create more income right. or be more important or whatever. So I right. think this really resonates with me. Well, yeah, my guess is that for you know real estate entrepreneurs, there's a there's a percentage of that group of people who are like, I'm just in it for the money. This is how I build my cash cow, and this is this is how I fund a a, a lovely life. Sure. My guess is that if you're listening to this podcast, you you want more than just that. Because if you're just about selling the house, then you'd be listening to the podcast, which is here's here's the sales technique and here's the marketing technique to 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 get another point on the deal or whatever it might be. Whereas this is a conversation about real estate combines us as a community. So we have a shared interest in terms of how we're a shared vehicle in terms of how we're, we're seeing the world, but we're here to make the world better and to make ourselves better. That's the, the essence of what this podcast is about. It's about elevating ourselves. It's not about selling more houses. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital. And you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I want to, want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. It's so true. And it is, you know, the beautiful thing about it is it's it's about who you become as a mm -hmm. result of this process about going through challenge and putting yourself through an inspired process and, and seeing who you can become along that way, right? And also designing yeah. the life of your dreams. So you're talking about progressing towards those dreams. Yeah. Is it, it's also got to be important, obviously, to gain the clarity on what's most important to me, right? Is, is there a process that you found to be useful in terms of gaining additional clarity? Because I think a lot of people, hmm. it's really funny. You ask people who've got children who are going to college, you say, hey, well, what are they going to study or what are they, what do they think they're going to do? And a lot of times, most of the time they say, well, they don't really know yet. And yeah. it's also funny to note that when we talk to fellow adults or professionals, you say, well, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do as well. And so right. getting clear on what is the life of our dreams, is there any mm -hmm. insight that you have on that? Well, I, I have um, an answer for me. I wouldn't claim that this is a universal answer, but I have never been very good at making a statement that sums up my ideal life. And I've never been that great at actually going, here's my five-year plan. Every time, I mean, I've made plenty of five-year plans in my past, and mostly they're ridiculous because <laughs> what happens <laughs> over the next five years bears almost no resemblance at all to the five-year plan I set myself. It's almost as if by writing it down as a five-year plan, I determine for sure that this is, will, is what will not happen. So I don't know if that's something about five-year plans or my ability to do five-year plans. What I find helps me is to have a to have some bigger vision about how I'm trying to serve the world. And you know, we all have our own way of finding that. I talk about my goal is to infect a billion people with the possibility virus. Now that mm. that, that was a mission or vision that worked a whole lot better before we were in a pandemic. <laughs> so the, whole, <laughs> the whole infection thing. You know, I don't know if that works for people anymore, but it still works for me because and I'll tell you why that that particular statement is 
alive for me. First is it's a billion people, such a big number that I can't even really grasp it. So it just speaks to a scale of ambition that I have, which is to touch a billion people. But it's not actually me touching a billion people. It's to infect a billion people with the possibility virus, meaning I have to put stuff out in the world that finds a way to spread. And it means that I'm decentered from that. It is a success for me if, for instance, people discover the seven questions that I talk about in the Coaching Habit book, and they never know that, it, that I put them together or they came from the Coaching Habit book. But if somebody just goes, these are great questions, and I can use them, and that's strengthening my relationship with my kid or my partner or my team or my, or my clients or whatever, then I win. Like that, that is a success for me. That's another person towards the 1 million mark, even if they've never, they never know who, who I am or what I've done. So that's a really helpful kind of goal that sums up impact and a mechanism. You know, there's a fundamental insight around that, which is you're not the hero of this. Your job is to create a body of work that has an opportunity to spread. And then I, what has worked for me in my life is to kind of get to a point where I go, what's the best idea I've got right now to try and further that? Because, um, I, I actually have quite a lot of ideas of stuff I can be doing, books I can write and courses I can launch and nonprofits I can found, companies I can found. I'm good at these kind of half-baked <laughs> ideas that seem a great idea for a brief moment. Um, but I've got to stop occasionally and go, all right, well, what, am I, what, do I, what do I care about? And what's my best guess about the best use of my talent and my confidence and my courage and my resources right now? So on my computer screen, when it starts up, it has the date of my death. Uh, now, obviously, I don't know exactly when I'm going to die, but um, there's a way that you can statistically figure out when you're going to die based on actuarial tables. So it's September 17th, 2043. And I got this idea from a guy called Kevin Kelly. You can find out about Kevin Kelly stuff at kk.org. And he says, look, calculate your, your death date. And then he says, you can basically do one really big project every five years. So if I've got a statistical death date of 2043, 22 years left, I've got four big projects. So that's helpful stuff for me to go, I've got four big projects. What are my best ways of thinking of what those projects might be to contribute to, to the world? And when I finish a book, like I've just finished the how to begin and you know it launches in january so i've got a period of time to kind of get that book out into the world and then i go so what so what now you know do i write another book because i've got three really good books in my head that i love to write do i try and scale a, a small business that i've got going that somebody's running and go how do we get this from x to 10x do i you know i i do I go and volunteer somewhere? <laughs> do I do I go and do a spiritual retreat for five years and just go um, uh, like Leonard Cohen, go up and become a Zen monk for five years? I mean, my wife will find that awkward. That would be an awkward conversation with her. I'm sorry, I'm heading off for five years. See you when I'm wiser and older and grayer. But you know, <laughs> all of these are options that I'm like going, so how do I make that call? So that's a very long answer to your question, which is like, how do you help people figure this stuff out? That's the framework I use. But I do think it then comes down to if you're, if you're listening to this, you're like, so what's your worthy goal? And how do, you, how do you test it? Because I think part of the problem with where a lot of us go with these kind of worthy goals, you know, New Year's Eve is a classic, right? We come up with these kind of big dreams. And we're like, I'm going to do this. And we don't really test it. And we don't really examine it. We don't really hold it up against thrilling and important as daunting as standards that we want. Um, so I'm really keen to help people interrogate their ambitions for themselves and for the world so that they can say, all right, I feel like I'm clear enough on this that I can commit to it. Even as I feel the uncertainty and the ambiguity of claiming something that feels well, here's how a friend of mine, a, a woman called Liz Wiseman, who, who, has written a book called Multipliers and has a new book out called Impact Players. She says, what a really good project is when you kind of know how to start it, but you don't yet know how to finish it. I'm like, oh, Ooh. that's lovely, right? 
It's like, I can make a start on this, but I have no idea how this ends. They're like, that feels like a, a, the right weight of a, of a worthy goal. That's amazing. And, and a couple of things there, you know, it, it just seems like you're coming down to organizing thinking tools or principles in which you're viewing the arc of your life and your impact on the world in terms of your goal is to infect 1 billion people with the possibility right. virus, which is obviously you don't know fully how that will happen, but you know that At you all. would love for that to happen. <laughs> right. And then thinking about, well, how much more time do I have to make you know, sort of big leaps towards that vision. And I think yeah. the call to action for the listener is to get clear on what would light you up, what would thrill you, what yeah. feels important to you and what's also daunting. And how do you not know right. how to finish something? What is it that you don't know how you're going to finish? Yeah, look, I, I, I don't know what that would be for anybody, but I do know that if more people were willing to take on a worthy goal, my bet is the world gets a little bit better and they get a little bit better and we all win from that. And I'll share one more um, quote that I read from sort of the intro of your book, your new book yeah. is stepping up and pursuing your dreams is hard. Don't regret a life half lived. To me, mm -hmm. that's the calling card right there. Don't regret a life half lived. Yeah. Oh, I love that you picked <laughs> that up. So one of my favorite movies is by an Australian director called Baz Luhrmann. He, 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 went on and did a Romeo and uh, uh, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet and then Moulin Rouge. And then he's done a bunch of stuff on HBO and the like, but his kind of breakthrough movie was called Strictly Ballroom. And it is, uh, it's like 20 years old, maybe 25 years old now. It's like a ballroom dancing in, in suburban Australia. <laughs> so it's like most people won't have, have seen it, but I love this movie. <laughs> um, and it's all about, you know, two people finding themselves, becoming the best versions of themselves, overcoming the kind of the pressure to conform. And uh, our heroine, Fran, she, who's Greek, she has a saying in Greek and then she translated it, which is like, a life lived in fear is a life half lived. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I still love wow. that. It still gives me shivers uh, as I think of her saying that because it becomes the heartbeat of the movie, which is, don't live in fear, have the courage to live your life fully. And, um, and, you know, that's what I hope for me, which is like to go, I haven't, I've, I've lived a full life. I haven't lived a life half lived. I've had the courage to pursue my worthy goals. And I would hope that for other people as well. It's so beautiful. And, and you know what, we face fear every day. Uh, mm -hmm. especially in business and just being a human being, this experience of being a human being, oh, yeah. it's fraught with fear, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of it's BS. It's, it's yeah. not real, but it's, it's this made up dialogue that says, if I try, I might fail. If I do this, I might be embarrassed. If I, if I try to win, I might lose or I might fail and all these things. And it's such a great reminder for us. Is there anything else that you would add? You know, I think, I think one of the things that I came to realize in writing this new book is we, I mean, cause you can beat yourself up a little bit going, gosh, what's wrong with my head? Be, be more courageous, be, be more this, be more that. We are, we are wired to be more committed to the status quo than we realize. Like whatever the status quo is for you right now, you're getting something from that. And there, even if it's difficult and stressful, it's also known and has a degree of comfort and understandability to it. And part of the challenge of taking on a worthy goal of, of living a life fully, not a life half lived, is it means stepping away from what's known about the world and also about yourself um, into something where you're like, I'm not sure what's going to happen and I'm not sure who I'm trying to be. So it's really understandable that there's this resistance. It's, you know, it comes from a deep, evolutionary part of your brain which is like <laughs> stay safe don't do anything stupid don't go into the dark cave you don't know what's in the dark cave people have gone in there and we've never seen them again stay safe you know that is our, our brain's modus operandi is survive because when you survive you have a chance of passing your dna on so this is in some ways trying to to override some very profound deep wiring that we have so it's not something to beat yourself up about. It's not a moral failing. It's a biological imperative. And you're still able to say, look, you can still take on a worthy goal. 
it's so interesting too because um i feel like life is full of paradox and mm-hmm. while we were wired to stay status quo in some ways to protect us and to pass along yeah. our genes we were also designed for greatness we were right. designed to do big things we were designed right. to expand and it's it's about making that hard change which is why i love your work and why i love that you've allowed this path to be con- you know continually plowed so that we can follow that as well what would you add to Thanks. that I think I would, I would agree. Like, I think, you know, um, it is true that I think there's a constant paradox in life or constant tensions in life. You know, I, I almost wrote a book with Brene Brown around the paradox because I thought it was such a, uh, this is before she got super famous, but she and I were talking, I was like, I got this idea. It'd be cool to co-author this. Um, and, uh, and I just do think that there's this, there's this tug, there's this one part tugging you back and one part tugging you forward. And um, it's, it's helpful to understand that both of those are true and real and make choices about when's the right time for you to step forward. Michael, part of your greatness is uncovering the understanding of how we can step closer to our dreams. And you've uncovered this in the coaching habit and the advice trap about the difference between the time when it's appropriate to give advice and the time when it's appropriate to ask more questions and be curious. So could we start with, if you don't mind, I want to transition, I want to switch gears a little bit into this part of the way that you're adding value. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because I think it's important for real estate investors, entrepreneurs, people who want to utilize and maximize and optimize this vehicle towards designing their life. They have to understand how to not only go to the next level themselves, but also take other people people around them to the next level, because first of all, it's the right thing to do. Second of all, it's a, it's a fulfilling (laughs) life to live. Third of all, you can do more and you can be more, you can grow and you can unlock new opportunities as a part of this process. But talk to me about what is the problem with giving advice from a basic level? There is no problem with giving advice at a basic level. There is a problem when giving advice is your default response to the situation. And we are wired to want to jump in with our ideas and our opinions and our advice and our suggestions. And you know this to be true. Like somebody starts talking to you and within about five seconds, you're like, yep, I think I know what I want to say to them. (laughs) And even though you're pretending to listen to them now, you're just waiting for them to be quiet. So you can jump in and go, look, let me tell you some good stuff. I've got some cool, I've I've got some value to add to this conversation. All the time. And, you know, in, in the advice trap, I call this, you know, your advice monster. You know, as soon as somebody starts talking, your advice monster looms up out of the dark and goes, right, all right, here we go. This is how I prove my worth. This is how I help people in this conversation. This is how I establish status and authority in this conversation. And the, the, the fundamental behavior that both the coaching habit and the advice trap is trying to encourage in people is to stay curious a little bit longer. So not, not for like a week longer, not for like a day longer, not for an hour longer. I'm like three minutes. Like I, or I take two minutes, quite frankly. If you can just stay curious a little bit longer, then you will have better conversations with the people in your life. These are your kids. This is your partner. This is the prospect you're trying to sell a house to. This is the person you're trying to sell a house for. If you're able just to stay curious a little bit longer, you're going to build a conversation that is relationship-based rather than more transactionally based. You're going to give them the space to actually explain more about what's real for them and what's true for them. You're going to give yourself a better chance of figuring out what they really care about you can find out a better, a better way how you can help them more. And, you know, you're in this business to try and be helpful. It doesn't matter what side of the transaction you're serving. You're trying to help people, you know, find the place of their dreams, make them sell the place of their dreams so they can find the next place of their dreams, whatever it might be. I'm I'm no real estate expert. I've never, I've never even owned a house. So, you know, forget everything I'm telling you about real estate, (laughs) but but I can tell you about relationships, which is that um, our relationships are strengthened by 
staying curious a little bit longer. And there is always a place for advice. Because here's the thing, if you stay curious two minutes or three minutes or five minutes longer in the conversation, it means that when it's time for you to tell people something, you're telling them something that is actually more useful and will serve them better. And if you've been smart enough to say, well, what do you already know about this? <laughs> what have you already figured out? What, what, what answers do you already have? It means that you won't even be telling them the stuff that they already know. You'll be telling them the stuff that they don't know. And that's when you become a trusted advisor. That's when you become a guide and a mentor and a coach to them. And that's kind of coach in a small C. Because, you know, the, the two books, uh, it's, they're actually not written for coaches. They're written for people to be more coach-like, which is just staying curious a little bit longer. So, you know, part of what's joyful about the success of these books is that I get letters all the time or, you know, emails and stuff from people going, this is helping me with my parenting. <laughs> this is helping me with my kids. This is helping me with, with the people I interact with in life, not just I have a team and I'm trying to coach them. Although if you, if you run a team, it's also helpful for that as well. Yeah. And, and it's so important for real estate investors because the center of our world and our, the centerpiece to success in this business, first of all, it's a very long-term approach, right? Yeah. You have to be long-term focused to be successful here. And the yeah. centerpiece is real, uh, is relationships and the relationships can only be strengthened upon if you have a perspective of transformational relationships, not transactional, as you just mentioned. And I think it's really interesting because each and every interaction that we have is another opportunity for us to further that transformational endeavor and that transformational relationship to where now we can listen, we can learn, we can understand about what is the problem? What are the challenges? What are the real challenges here for you or for them instead of <laughs> yeah, nice. jumping in to solve and give advice for things that truly aren't really the real challenge? Would you agree I, to that? I absolutely. And you, you, you're, you're using some of the questions that are in the book and you're using them beautifully. You know, one of the clients we've worked with and we've taught this to is a company called Gartner. And if you're in tech at all, you may have heard of Gartner because they're a tech advisory firm with, you know, it's a billion dollar firm or more than that now, probably. And they've, they've built a billion dollar business on the quality of their knowledge. They're like, this is the stuff that's going to do well. Here are the trends in the marketplace is what you need to know. And in the end, content is transactional. It is like, look, you're only as good as the last best piece of advice that you gave. But curiosity is relationship-based because you're like, I'm trying to find out more about you and what you care about and what matters to you and what you know already and, what, and what's at the heart of this conversation. So when you use, just as Tyler was role modeling, you know, the, the focus question, which is like, so what's the real challenge here for you? Um, it, it just opens up a type of conversation that they won't get from most people around them and almost whatever their answer, even if their answer is like, I'm not even sure <laughs> that's helpful in terms of how you then navigate what's what the next step is in that conversation. Yeah. And then from there it's, well, what's the real challenge for you with not yeah. being sure? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and, and it's really interesting because it's this it's this exploration. And I think people have a, a sense of appreciation when you just don't jump in to give your advice. And it's interesting because even with the awareness of this, we find ourselves or I certainly find myself jumping in to give advice. And it's, well, let's make this a habit. And, you know, that's why, of course, the, the title of the book is so profound and it's so well put is that it has to become a habit. It has to be a change in terms right. of our behavior. And there's a self-serving bias uh, in terms of our advice, right? Because this is yeah. what we want, you know, we want people <laughs> to know that we know the answers. We don't right, want them right, to right. think that we don't have the answers because if we ask another question, that shows that maybe we don't. Talk right. a little bit about that and how that comes into play. Yeah, so... We all do overrate the quality of our advice. And actually what happens most of the time is we end up offering not very good advice to solve the wrong problem. And even though that feels like something's happened because you're like, look, I can, let me listen to this. I've got something to tell you. And so everybody feels like some transactions happen in the relationship. I mean, listen, you've, you've offered not that great advice to solve the thing that isn't actually the real problem. 
that's not that helpful. But you know, it takes a it takes a degree of let's call it emotional intelligence to stay curious a little bit longer. Because when you ask a question, it doesn't feel as good as when you give advice. Because when you give advice, you get a little rush of endorphins. You're like, look at me adding value. Look at me, the smart one. Look at me helping out. Look at me in control. You got a whole bunch of things that just makes you go, yeah, pretty awesome. When you ask a question, you're actually saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay uncertain a bit longer. I'm going to give control of the conversation to the other person. I'm going to almost sort of like, stay in a place of ambiguity and uncertainty a bit longer. It's harder to sit there. It takes a bit of practice to actually sit there with that uncertainty and that unknowing. But if you're playing the bigger game, which is like, look, if I can just hang out here for two minutes or three minutes, I think we're going to get into a better conversation. I think my advice is going to be more helpful. I think I'm going to help them figure out what the real challenge is. And that's going to be really valuable to them. Then you know, it's not, it's not really a long-term game. It's like, a, can, you, can you just stay curious for two, three, four minutes? And in that medium term, let's call it that, they win and you win as well. Well, and even to take it a step further, for people who are high performing, who want to be even higher performing as investors, as entrepreneurs, yeah. the essence of this coaching habit and developing this habit over time and stepping into this over time it can lead with relieving some of that over-dependence of our team. It can lead to getting rid of that overwhelm that a lot of us feel. It can, it can remove this disconnected feeling that we have with our team members or people that we're collaborating with. Talk a little bit more about why that's the case. Yeah. I, you know, I, I call these the three vicious circles that happen if you're a manager and a leader and they're very common. If you have, if you're in charge of people at all and, in a formal or even in an informal way, um, you can you can develop a dysfunctional team by having them getting overly used to going, look, I just come to Tyler for advice. Well, there's no point in doing anything else because Tyler always wants to tell me what he wants to do. So, <laughs> you know, I'll just come to Tyler and Tyler's like, God, what's wrong with these people? I want them to be autonomous. I want them to be self-sufficient. I want them to be confident, but I also don't want them to screw it up. So I'll just tell them as much as I can. And you just get into that vicious circle of, of an over-dependent de- over team or overwhelm, you know, which is like the, the more you lose focus about what the real challenge is and what really matters, the more everything feels important. So it kind of all piles up and the more everything piles up, the more you lose focus. So that question, so what's the real challenge here for you is one of the ways of going, all oh, right, here's how I stay focused on the critical few rather than the trivial many. Or there's just that sense of disconnect. And this is kind of the why of the work. You know, if you like Simon Sinek's work, which is like, what's the, what, what, what's the purpose of this? <laughs> what's at the heart of this work? How is this a, a worthy goal? How is this contributing to the bigger picture I have for my life? And if you've got to that place of going, look, I feel very busy. I feel overwhelmed. I feel stretched. and I'm not quite sure where the meaning is anymore. This ability to ask that question of yourself and of those around you and help you find your way back to a more purposeful type of work. This is such an important, important discussion for us to have. And so important for the listener to really engage in this. And, you know, it's a calling for me to, to continue to commit to this because it's challenging, right? Yeah. Our inner voice wants us to go back to giving advice. The advice yeah. monster will never leave us. And, <laughs> exactly. you know, it's a it's true. It will no, never leave just us. Trying to tame your advice monster. It's never going to go. But if you just know that it's there and it's in its cage and you can listen to it rattling, because, you know, I mean, I wrote the book on this and there are times where I'm like, oh man, I just want to tell them what to do. But I've <laughs> just got, you know, if, if, if you want to hear what this is like, um, a few months ago, I was on Brene Brown's podcast, Dare to Lead. And about 45 minutes into the podcast, I coached Brene Brown. Just, very, very scary for me at the time because I didn't know that that was going to happen, but she kind of threw me into it. I'm like, okay, I'll do my best. <laughs> and you see me role modeling the questions that, are, that I talk about in the book, but you see me role modeling silence. And that's possibly the most powerful part of the coaching at all. I ask a question and there's just what feels like, for me, it felt like it was going on for about 40 minutes, probably <laughs> a minute at the very outside, probably less than that. But you need to know if, you, if, you choose, if people do choose to listen to that, there's one part of my brain that is 
freaking out, mm-hmm. <laughs> going, fill the silence, offer up a suggestion, ask another question. And there's just another part of me going, look, I've done this long enough to go, just, just sit in the discomfort of the silence, Michael, because in doing that, you give her the space to actually figure, figure stuff out. I tame my advice monster, even though it was shouting at me to say something. Um, and you could, you can see and listen how that conversation unfolded. Michael, you know, this is really bringing our conversation full circle because you think about uh, the earlier part of our conversation, it's about making hard change, right? Yeah, it's about yeah. doing the hard things. And sometimes silence can be uncomfortable, but maybe it that's almost the hard. Always is. Almost always it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Or staying curious longer. It's harder yeah. because the easy route is to give advice, but that's yeah, a short term, yeah. you know, corner cut that's going to shortcut yeah. our relationship. It's going to short term come our opportunity and, and living in the world of possibility. If you want to infect a billion people, or if anyone wants to live in the world of possibilities, it's about doing the hard things. Mm, yeah. Michael, this is phenomenal. You know, I, I thought about starting our conversation today with, so Michael, what's on your mind <laughs> right. and, and what else? And yeah. uh, is there anything these all, else? These are all questions from the coaching habit book. So I, I appreciate that, Tyler. Yeah. And I, I just want to recommend that the listener uh, picks up your your books, Michael, because they're phenomenal. And we'll put links in the show notes as to where the listeners can find all of your books, including your new book, How to Begin, Start Doing Something That Matters. And uh, Michael, I'd love to transition into our rapid fire section of the sure. podcast. We call it the rare air questionnaire. It's about being uncommon. It's about doing the hard things. It's about yes. being a little bit uncomfortable and transforming as a result. So I'd love to ask you, uh, and I'm excited to ask you this first question as being a very prolific author yourself, if you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what would those be and why? You know, the first thing I would say is the the meta habit of just reading a lot is really the secret to success, which is like I read broadly and I read widely. I read across science. I read across fiction. My wife is a librarian, so young adult literature, as well as business books, you know, all of that stuff. And actually, I think more important than what are the key books, it's like keep reading books because they keep expanding capacity and insight and empathy. Um, and you're not sure what well, you'll uncover. Um, there's so many, there's, I mean, there's a lot of terrible books out in the world, but there's so many great books. <laughs> The one that is kind of a bedrock book for me is from a a writer called Bill Bryson. He's famous for travel books, but he wrote a book called A Short History of Nearly Everything, where he talks about science. And he says, look, most of us have science murdered in high school because it becomes this terrible subject that we're not very good at. And, you know, some teachers, you know, takes out all the magic. And basically he just brings back all the magic of science in a way, for me anyway, that just made me go, it is, and I'm an atheist, but it is miraculous that we are alive as human beings and conscious on this planet at this time. So for me, it was a book that really brought me to the celebration of you know, just how thankful and lucky it is to be alive right now. You know what it reminds me of when you're talking about uh, the meta habit of reading and how it's uh, really a lot and across the board, across many subjects is the key to success. It reminds me of the philosophy of stay curious a little bit longer. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all of this stuff is self-serving. I'm, you know, you, you, you write the stuff <laughs> that you need to, to learn. So I keep reminding myself, this is the thing that I'm after. Yeah. Michael, aside from our, uh, what we've already talked about today in many ways, um, if you would point to the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis, what would you say to that and why? You know, I, um, with the team I work with at the moment, one of the phrases we use a lot is we've already won. Um, I just find that really helpful that when we're struggling or finding it difficult or something feels like it's blowing up, when we say to each other, look, we've already won, it, it helps remind you of the good that's going on in your life. And it takes the pressure off the, you know, this is a disaster and it's all going wrong. You know, so I've got this book launch coming out and three months to go to the book comes out. You get wrapped around your own axle when you're trying to launch a book. It's all very kind of angsty. And I'm like, you know what? I've already won. <laughs> I've, this is a book I'm really proud of. 
I got to write the last pages of the book are an homage to my dad who died a couple of months ago. And I wrote it when I was there with him. So he got to read the last two pages just before he died. I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter if this book sells a copy or not. I've already won with this book. And it just makes me go hold the big picture, celebrate what's great, celebrate what you should be grateful for and the privilege you have and all of that stuff. So I've already won feels like an illuminating way of seeing the world for me. I like the thought of creating our own phrase, whatever resonates with us, whether it's I've already won or something along those lines. Um, That's, that's phenomenal. Thank you for, for that share. What's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? I would say that what I try and do is I try and decenter myself from positions of power. So I, I come with, you know, I am a straight, white, overeducated, English speaking, tall, extremely good looking man. <laughs> so I just, I don't quite have Tyler's sexy voice, but I've got everything else. So crazy. I, I naturally step into a spotlight and I, I'm comfortable in that spotlight, but I'm really proud to, for instance, having given up being the CEO of the first company I founded and having a woman step in to run that. I'm really proud of Ainsley for my current company and the way that she's running parts of that company. And that involves me getting out of the way. And with somebody, when you've got the, the cards that I got dealt, understanding that sometimes the best thing to do is to put your cards down and leave the game so others can play the game is the way I elevate others. You're a beautiful, beautiful human being, Michael. Michael Bungay Stanier, thank you so much for being on Elevate. I just want to acknowledge you for your commitment to not only infecting 1 billion people with possibility, the possibility virus and living that life of possibilities, but continuing to challenge yourself, continuing you. to understand that, you know, maybe you have a certain amount of time left and there are big leaps that you're continuing to make. So I just want to thank you so much for your commitment to serving humanity. I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast today. Are there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation? Uh, Tyler, I just want to acknowledge you for being, you are a very good uh, host. You know, you're very generous. You've done a ton of thinking about this, this conversation beforehand you made me look and sound both welcomed and smart. So just an appreciation for the job you've done as the podcast host here. People don't always understand what it takes to be a good podcast host. And I think you've done a really wonderful job. So thank you. Well, that's very, very kind of you. Thank you, Michael. I want to encourage the listener to find Michael on mbs.works as well as LinkedIn. Uh, Also on Instagram, you can find him at mbs underscore works. Also on Twitter, the same at mbs underscore works. And Michael, I know that your new book is coming out on January 11th. I'm going to be waiting on pins and needles to pick it up. How to begin, (laughs) start doing something that matters. Michael, until next time, thank you so much for being on the show, my friend. Thanks, sir. It's been a real pleasure. Elevate Nation, what a phenomenal opportunity to speak with the great Michael Bungay Stanier. And wow, I learned so much today. And I tell you what, his work is absolutely transformative. And I just want to, again, I don't I don't gain anything by suggesting this, but I, I highly suggest that you read his books, um, The Coaching Habit, the advice trap, whether you're a coach, an entrepreneur, investor, doesn't matter um, because these can be transformative with how you relate to other people, how you help other people understand what is their real challenge and understand when it's appropriate for you to give advice and when it's not, because sometimes we jump to giving advice way too quickly. But ultimately, this is all about reaching our dreams. This is about living the life of our dreams and allowing real estate, allowing this vehicle, allowing our business, allowing our team to take us there and for them to go places with us and for them to go places where they want to go in their dreams. And so ultimately, at the end of the day, everything we do is on purpose with purpose. And so let's check in. Well, what what type of purpose are we striving for today? What is it that we're working towards? What is it that our big vision is? And so there's a lot of challenges from today's episode, thinking about well, what, what vision would you like to create? What is your mission statement for your life? How much time do you think that you have left? And, and I might challenge you to think a little bit longer because you know we've talked about it before. 
maybe we have more longevity than we even realize. But if we did have a limited time, what would be amazing? What would be the imprint that you would make on this world and on this planet through who you become, through the development, through the transformation that you experience, through the challenges, through making hard change? And you know what? Ultimately, don't live a life half lived uh, because I just can't imagine the regret that you could feel at the end of your life if you look back and said, you know what? I could have, I should have, I would have. But you know what? Now is the time to move in that direction towards massive action. So I want to encourage you to re-listen to this show. I want to encourage you to share this with a friend and have a discussion about this discussion with a friend because that's how you learn more uh, when you discuss when you identify your top one, two, or three key distinctions or takeaways from this episode at that time, you can really discuss, well, why is this important to me? And what is it that you've found that maybe you can take your game to the next level from this conversation? So have a discussion. Um, and also, of course, share this with your network, but most importantly, take massive action. At the end of the day, it's all about taking action because you know information is not power. Action is the real power. And ultimately, I just want to thank you so much for being here. I want to thank you so much for listening, for participating. Elevate Nation, until next time, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.